0: It's the Locked On Aggies podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Hey, howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson still here, back in the driver's seat, talking all things. Texas AM, talking all things Aggie football, talking all things, whatever you want to really know. All you got to do is just message me on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson, and we can talk about it on this show. While you're at it, you can also follow us on social media at Locked at Aggies SI, because Locked On Aggies is now sponsored by the Sports Illustrated Aggie Maven. And you can also check out all of our great content at si slash tamu.com. That's si.com slash tamu. We get to start the show off on a positive note as we've been getting to do the past couple days because Texas AM was able to pull out a 24 to 17 victory over Ole miss. They improved to 4-3 on the season, and they're looking like they're trending in the right direction moving forward towards the end of the season. You know, when you look at the next couple games that they have ahead, they have a chance to probably be seven and three going into those final two games against a top 10 ranked Georgia and a top 10 ranked LSU. So there's a lot of positivity right now. It all though has to continue this way. Before we break down what we usually do on Tuesday's show, which is Coach Fisher's Press Conference, questions from players, all that jazz, we have a couple of new announcements we get to make about Texas A&M. So for starters, Give it up for Mr. Buddy Johnson, linebacker for Texas a and He was named the SEC Defensive Player of the Week for his contributions against Ole Miss. Johnson finished with 10 total tackles. That is the second time this season he's finished with double-digit tackles in a single game. But everyone remembers his big-time play. Following an Elijah Blade sack, which would turn into a fumble, Johnson would pick it up and run it back 61 yards for the Aggie touchdown to give the team a 17-14 to 14 lead going into the late third quarter. So thanks to him, he kind of set the tone. He probably is the whole reason the team was able to hold on to that victory. So give it up to him. He's done a fantastic job. Other announcement. Guys, if you are not looking forward to having an 11 a.m. kickoff this week against Mississippi State, I got some great news for you. You're really not going to like next week then. The team officially announced that kickoff against the UTSA University of San Antonio Roadrunners will take place at 11 a.m. on November 2nd at Kyle Field. So back-to-back games, really early days, really early mornings. Games that when you look at, you maybe aren't the biggest fan of, but at the same time, at least when you look at the final game that they're going to have at Kyle Field, which will be against South Carolina following their bye week, it's going to be at least a positive, probable 6 p.m. kick. So the final game of the year at Kyle Field will probably at least be later, and hopefully at that point, a and will be back in the top 25 ranking. All right, time for Tuesday's show. Coach Fisher addressing the media on Monday afternoon, talking a little bit about what went right, what went wrong up in Oxford, and preparing for Mississippi State this upcoming week. He started off the entire press conference in a really weird but positive note. Because when you're a team in the SEC that was as highly ranked as a and you don't expect to see improvement. You expect to see continued success. But then again, you've never seen a team with a chance, because there is a chance that a could face Three number one programs in the same season if LSU beats Alabama. So here was his thoughts on what the team was doing right and where they're going and trending in the right direction.
1: Again, still a lot of room for improvement, which is... Also, you know, you say wish we, we got to keep getting better, but at the same time, you're, you're pulling things out, and you still got room for improvement. That's a good thing too. I mean, you can still grow in your capabilities, and nowhere close to where we can play. And uh, but at the same time, ability to compete, handle moments, momentum swings, ups and downs of a game. Young, oh, a lot of young guys can get very frustrating for them at times. But at the same time, they showed a lot of maturity in those situations of going on and making the plays and which they had to do to make at the end of the game.
0: So, coach pretty much is saying that. In moments like this, you can be down on yourself, especially when you were highly ranked. People forget that A&M was once considered a top-ten program at the start of the season, that everything was clicking, everything was going to go right. And when it didn't, you know, frustration sets in. You know, why are we not there? What are we doing wrong? What is not happening to us that we're not improving at? So for him... He still believes that this program is a top 10 program. And if they didn't face off against three top 10 opponents already, two number ones, would you blame them? I mean, imagine if they played a Baylor team. Imagine if this team played in Oklahoma State. Or anyone in the Big 12 outside of maybe Texas and OU. Anyone else. They still ranked? Probably. Maybe they're not top 10. Maybe they're not top 15, but they're ranked. So when you look at those things, and that there's improvement, and I think what he's talking about is the pass protection on offense needs work. But the run game that hasn't been there finally was. So that's a positive. The secondary was filled with young players. But the ability to create turnovers was still there. That's a positive. It's getting all the positives to click at the same time against an opponent. I think that that's mostly what he's saying in that sense. Because you could be a negative consistently throughout the entire game. Or you can be a positive. And with the emergence of Isaiah Spiller and what he was able to do on Saturday... And with a young secondary being able to make plays, especially for guys who were injured, veteran guys who were injured, and turnovers coming left and right, Justin Matabuki with a block kick, Buddy Johnson, we I talked about, 61-yard intercept, uh, fumble return for a touchdown. Positive moments. It's now just getting every single positive moment on the right track. So you can be that top 10 team. Do I think AM is a top 10 program right now? No, I don't. I don't. I see way too many holes on the offensive line to where you can consider them up at that level of the Floridas and the Georgias and the Alabamas. But an Auburn team, you could argue, is right there. I believe that you could say AM is sitting right in that middle tier. Teetering on that second level tier. There's five tiers in the SEC, and one is Alabama, the standard. Then I think you could put LSU up there for now, and they're teetering that one and two. Georgia, Florida, Auburn, all in that tier two mark. And a And M bouncing right there. They get a big win this week. They they go seven and three before they face South Carolina. I mean before they face um Georgia. Yeah, I would put them in that tier, too, because I think that, that that's how good this team is. We're going to talk a little bit about the offense. We're going to talk a little bit about the defense, and we're going to look ahead at what Coach said about Mississippi State, but first, here's a quick word from our sponsors from Locked On Aggies. Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson's still here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. We're going back, and we're breaking down Coach Fisher's press conference talking a little bit about what went right at will Miss. Two things that went really right on defense were the emergence of two very key defensive players. When you look at this AM defense that lost a ton last year in the draft in guys like Daylon Mack, Kingsley Kiki, Tyrell Dodson, Otero Alaka, uh, Donovan Wilson, you look at that defense, it was depleted from its key starters. And Justin Matabike and Buddy Johnson have done their part to step up. But they've never really had that breakout game, I guess would be the sense of it. Well, on Saturday, they did. We already talked a little bit about Johnson. He had the 61-yard fumble return for a touchdown. Matabike, 30, 51-yard field goal. He makes that. That game is a one-point game. Matabike gets his hand in there, blocks it. There we go. That's exactly what you want from your player. And Coach Fisher... Kind of talked a little bit about both of those two, how they've been leaders, how they've been in the locker room, and how they continue to make plays and be successful as the faces of the Aggie defense.
1: A lot of room for improvement there, but did some really good things in the game. I thought Matt Abouque was really, really good in the game. thought he, you felt him and saw him and in the run game and the pass game, and he influenced and made guys around him better because... Probably flushed guys out, thought buddy, was really good in the game, had to score, Did some really made some really nice plays, played pretty consistently throughout the game and what he did, and uh, played a lot of young guys on defense. A lot of chance for a lot of young guys to play on defense and did that.
0: When asked to step up and be a leader of a defense, that is a major task for anyone to do. Not because of it's harder, I think, to play defense, but because of you have to control everyone in front of you and everyone behind you. At quarterback, I think that you control the game, but you have no control of which way an offensive lineman will block and if they can hold the block. You can control, as a middle linebacker, which hole that defensive lineman in front of you is going in. If you're supposed to go through the B gap and he goes through the B gap and now that A gap's wide open, that's a problem. And that's on you. Because if you're supposed to make sure that he knows exactly what hole he's going through, in the secondary, if you're saying you know cover four and it's a man coverage and they're playing zone, that's on you for making sure that they didn't know. So Buddy Johnson getting this opportunity to make that big-time play and show all the hard work he's done, all the progress he's made for this team, everything that he's put forward, taking over for both Dodson and Alaka, two guys who were very dominant for the Aggies' defense last year. It's a big stepping stone. I think it's a big stepping stone. And Matabuki, same thing. Defensive linemen are not known overall for what they do. They're kind of just there, I guess would be the sense. They'll make plays. They'll stop players at the line of scrimmage. But you're not seeing a bunch of defensive tackles making these you know, 20 sacks a game or 20 sacks a season. You're not seeing them make 15 tackles for losses. You're seeing two Maybe three a game, if you're lucky. And that's because they got a really good jump off the ball and they beat the offensive tackle or the offensive guard that they were getting blocked against. That's it. If it's not there, you don't know it. It's always great to see defensive players who are supposed to be the big-time guys make big-time plays. Defense is more of a team style where I don't think on offense you can get away with a receiver making a 99-yard touchdown play off of a swing route and then juking defenders in the open field, especially when there's no blockers. That's, that could be a single person on offense. But the defense all has to come together. The secondary has to be able to make plays to where the coverage is so sound they're throwing into dangerous waters to where someone else could step up. Maybe it's a tip ball and the set, the cornerback tips it and the safety comes up and makes the interception. Everyone on the defensive line has to block perfectly for there to be be a hole for the linebacker to shoot through to be able to make the play in the backfield. And that's exactly what this team did in moments. The only one that really wasn't was Ibuké. He kind of got lucky. But at the same time, he had great protection from both sides allowing him to break free and put that hand up there. And that really was a turning point of the game. I think even for Ole Miss fans, it was, we can't get this field goal. How are we going to win this game? How are we going to win this game? Offensively, is a little bit of a different story this week. We can talk about Kellen Mann and his struggles, but before we even do that, you got to just admit right now, he's under pressure. A lot of pressure. A lot of the time. I mean, consistently, the guy is getting drilled in the backfield. And here was Coach Fisher's thoughts on what he believed with the offense, especially on the offensive line.
1: It's communication-wise. I mean, it, it, a lot of the mistakes now, we're not turning guys loose or going, you know, in the wrong miscommunication on the calls. If we get B, it's getting beat physically, which you can, you know, it's technique or things you keep working on. But, you know, offensive line, one of the big areas when you get new guys, new centers and all that is communication. I mean making sure your calls and you got a young freshman in there and who who's doing really good. I mean Kenyon's gonna be a really, really good player and doing really good things. So you always worry about communication back to your tight ends and make sure everybody's on the same page and protections and all those things and getting better there. And I think in a run game, got more movement. We had some a lot more positive runs in this game, a lot more consistent runs. Broke out was a couple big runs, whether it's quarterback run or the big counter at the end, a couple nice runs by Isaiah up inside, more physical inside. So learning to communicate better there in pass protection. Always starting to grow. Kellen was under some pressure, but at the same time, uh, you know, guy if you get beat physically is one thing, but communicating, getting to the right guys doing those things are much better.
0: So the only problem I have with what Coach Fisher said is technique and you get beat physically. You can improve on that. Well, we're in week nine and it's still happening. I get that you have young talent, but when Kenyon Green, true freshman, by the way, is probably your best and most consistent offensive linemen in the run blocking and in the pass protection, that raises some red flags. Mon has been consistently under pressure this season. And it's not like this is something brand new that we've seen. Communication is big, but so is getting the guys in there who can physically protect your quarterback. So hopefully, this upcoming week against Mississippi State, who does have a pretty good front seven. Luckily, they did lose both uh, Montez Sweat and Jeffrey Simmons, two massive defensive players who both went in the first round of the 2019 NFL Draft. Hopefully losing them at least makes it a little easier, but you can't consistently get beat. You got to either work on your technique, you got to work on you know, how to double block, maybe throw in the double tight end formation more. I know Glenn Beal was out this week. Uh, Ryan Renick, the walk-on freshman, ended up actually playing a majority of the snaps when they did go double tight formation. If you gotta do that, do that. But you gotta find a way to get more protection for your quarterback. Because at the end of the day, without Mond, and I've spoken about this on the past shows, but without Mond, this team is not four and three. This team could be two and four, two and five, three and four at best. Calzada probably beats Arkansas, but maybe he doesn't. They definitely beat Incarnate Word and Texas State. But do they beat Clemson? Well, they already lost with Mond. Do they beat Alabama? Well, they already lost with Mond. Do they beat Auburn? They already lost with Mond. So now the question is, do they beat both Ole Miss and Arkansas? And I don't know. I don't know what the true freshman behind there. But if Mond's hurt, that's your option. So whatever the offensive line has to do to get better, Communication-wise, technique-wise, learning to double block, whatever it takes, do it. Because you have to get better in that sense if you want to be successful. Mon has struggled, but you can't tell me right now that Mon struggles aren't partially blamed on the offensive line. We're going to talk a lot about that because Mon the, Coach Fisher did a really good job breaking down both interceptions and how Mon can probably improve on that. And we're going to talk a little bit about Mississippi State, but first, here's a quick word from our sponsors from the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, is back. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, top of all things Texas AM. and M. Going back to the offense before we go preview Mississippi State before the end of the show. Coach Fisher admits that. Part of the problem is on the offensive line and the protection for Mond. But he broke down both interceptions. And one you could say is all on Mond. And the other one you could say is probably the right call and just a really good play by the defender. But you don't want to hear from me. Let's hear it from Coach.
1: Again, finished a few more points. The two turnovers are disappointing. The one was uh we had a little play back. The tight end would been a really nice play in that situation, and uh, even the defensive end just was rushing. The only stop, just stopped and fell back into. Have never had, it. but at the same time, you got to see that you got to put air on that ball and see him. We had a little pressure, but that's that. You know, we got to make that play, and that could have been a really nice play for us to get down and have some more points. And the other one, the guy just gets his frame. I mean, it's a good ball. Uh, We're throw it there, get their fingertip on it, and it hits, their, tips up, hits us in the pads, and goes straight up. I mean, I don't. The decision was right, but you know, still, it's two turnovers. You can't have that. We don't need that.
0: Two turnovers are always bad in a game because of those are opportunities you can use to score. And if you don't, don't score, at least you can probably punt it, give the team a harder chance to go downfield and make a opportunity for them to score. But when you set them up the way the A and M did and the way Mon did, luckily. Neither ended in a bad way. Both ended in a positive outlook because nothing happened. Still, though, you can't do that and expect positive things to come from it. So it's a good win overall for AM, but that's a mistake that Mon has to look at. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it this. The, the one where he throws it to the cornerback... That's on the offensive line, not giving him protection, but that still is probably the right read because that was the most open player that he had. But the Weidemeyer interception, that's one on am You know, you have to be able to see if a defensive end or a linebacker who's blitzing drops back into coverage and makes a play in the open field. Those are things that you just have to quickly assess and go after. You know, those are, those are things that when you look at on film and you see them, you're going to go back and go, why did I see that? What did what did I miss on that moment? And if you catch those things, there you go. Everything's gonna work out in your favor. Coach also talked about the youth movement that is coming to college station. That's something that you know I won't really want to hit on because the youth movement has been probably the main reason for the team's success at least on Saturday it was, because of Jalen Weidemeyer and Isaiah Spiller. Weidemeyer led the team with four receptions for over 60 yards, and Spiller rushed that 22-yard touchdown. He finished with 16 carries for a total of 78 rushing yards, total of 83 yards on the day. I think he was the second most player for total yards outside of Mond. And here was his thoughts on the improvement of both Weidemeyer and Spiller.
1: In that regard, I thought 85 and 28 for freshmen you can see him getting better and better each and every week and both played very critical roles in the game how he ran the ball there and uh and uh, tied in getting him incorporated into the passing game he's doing a much better job in the running game and Rennick in there on the run the pat and, the, and uh, as got his first action at tight end look at the film he blocked really really well did a really good job in supporting cast and roles and he was actually got pulling in on those plays and did some nice things he also talked a little bit about Anaya
0: Smith, the fourth wide receiver, also the team's uh, punt returner, kick returner. He had a very nice day. He got some good running lanes thanks to blocking up front, especially on punt return. I believe he had a 34-yard return at one point that set up for an Aggie touchdown right before the end of the second half. That was the 18-yard touchdown to Kendrick Rogers. When your freshmen are making the plays that your juniors and seniors are making, that shows two things. First, you're in good hands for the future. Because those guys are gonna be here for at least another two, three years and they're gonna help build that program. They're gonna help with recruiting. They're gonna help with you know build, establishing a solid offense. They're gonna help with all of that. But two, it helps for your present. Because Weidemeyer and Spiller, 85 and 28, those were who we said, were not supposed to be key players this year. It was Baylor Cup and Jay Sean Corbin that were originally supposed to be playing. Now, Cup was also a true freshman, but at the same time, he had been one of the better players throughout all of Fall Camp when he came in last year early uh, for the Maroon and White game when he was playing during spring football. He was probably the team's second best pass catcher. He goes out with a leg injury. Widemeyer steps up. Corbin, guy who finished second on the team, third on the team in rushing yards last year, behind Mond and Travion Williams. He gets hurt in week two against Clemson. Hamstring injury out for the season. Spiller has been iffy for a majority of the season. But a game like this could be all you need to send things right in motion. You don't need to have consistent 100-yard games to be considered a good running back. You need to have consistency. And if he can do this, 60 yards and a touchdown, 72 yards and a touchdown, 89 yards and two touchdowns, or even... 55 yards and two touchdowns. It's consistency moving the ball in the right direction. And Anaya Smith has been great as that fourth receiver behind Rodgers, Courtney Davis, and Javon Osman He is going to see some reps as well. I definitely think that he's been a key critical factor of that of that offense. Uh, Damani Richardson on defense is another young talent that we've seen. Overall, the youth movement in AM should have Aggie fans very excited, especially if a guy like Mike Elko, who people believe could become a head coaching candidate depending on how this season and maybe next season goes, if he remains in college station for a good, I don't know, two or three years, AM could be a contender. Because eventually Alabama's gonna die down. Georgia is going to have to either get better in recruiting or they're going to have to change something up. They're about to lose a quarterback, and they already lost two in the last year and a half and Jacob Eason and Justin Fields. So they're going to lose Jake Fromm immediately. And then Florida's Florida. You don't really know. So anyone could really take over as that team in the SEC to beat. And with a guy like Elko leading that defense and young talent, like these guys on offense, like Weidemeyer, when Baylor Cup returns, Smith, Spiller. You're in good hands, College Station. You're in very good hands. Guys, unfortunately, we are out of time on this show, so we're not going to be able to preview at all Mississippi State. But don't worry, we will be doing that on tomorrow's Wednesday show, talking all things Mississippi State, looking at some of the top storylines, looking at some of the key moments, key players, things to watch for against the Bulldogs, and make sure you're following us on social media at LockedOnAggies, at AggiesSI, at Mr. Cole Thompson. You can check out all of our great work at LockedOnPodcast.com, and you can check out all of your exclusive A&M content at SI.com T-A-M-U. That, again, is SI.com T-A-M-U. I will be back here tomorrow, same time, same place, whatever time you download this. And we will be breaking down Coach Fisher's thoughts and the players' thoughts on the Mississippi State Bulldogs who come to Kyle Field for an 11 a.m. kickoff this Saturday, October 26th. We'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place. And dig them, y'all. This has been Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.